Man, you could be seated, church. Thank you, Shai. Thank you, worship team. Man, we had a time today. I just feel like I just didn't want it to end. I just want to just be in the presence of the Lord and just spending time together. And I'm so glad you're here, church. Uh, welcome. We're glad. Can I see a show of hands again? I didn't see. Are there new people that are in the house? You're new to Evangel. You kind of guess. Good to see. You're, you're here and you're happy to be here, it looks like. Good to see you. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. Come on, church. We could do better than that. Let's welcome them. Uh, we're glad. We've had so many people. Um, we keep track of new guests that come through the door. Would you believe me that over just this year, um, up till like now, we've had over 1,200 people that are brand new walk through our doors and any given like accumulative over these months. And um, it's amazing. We pray that everyone feels at home, welcome, that you'll find your place in the body of Christ. And it's not just about evangel church, but that God will plug you into a life-giving church, that you'll grow, that you'll really walk in the fullness of what God has for you. And uh, that's our prayer, and that's our, our great desire. So, so glad you're here. My name is Pastor Chris, and we are in a series right now entitled The Blessed Life. And um, my prayer is that over these weeks that the Lord has been stirring you and challenging you, but also blessing you. Um, have you been enjoying this ser series so far, church family? Amen. Um, it's, been, it's been good, but here's what I'll be honest with you. It's been challenging. I'm going to tell you, because every time I get up here to preach this word, you have to know your pastors had to preach it in the mirror already. And I've had to confront the truth of this. And um, here's what I said. I said it in the middle of last service, but let me say at the beginning of this service, that the word of God is not meant to make us feel comfortable. If we only are going to kind of come around and hear messages that make us feel comfortable, then maybe we're already perfect. We don't need to change, or we're avoiding those areas that can be uncomfortable. The goal of the Christian life is not to re reach heaven comfortable. But I would say this, Lord, make me as comfortable as you need to to make me more like you. If the goal and pursuit of your life is to become more like him, which is, that's the aim of a follower of Christ, then we say, Lord, just meet me in this time. And this kind of series can be very life-giving, very blessing, but I found myself very challenged as I'm applying God's word, seeing it, and coming under it. So I just pray that the Lord would meet you and encourage you. Uh, go back and listen to the sermons if you haven't the first two weeks. The first week we talked about uh, what we call pillars of blessing. I believe there's there are three pillars that we kind of come across that are so vitally important to experiencing the blessing of God in our lives. And they, they come from God's word. Uh, the first one is uh, obedience. The second one is stewardship. And the other one is generosity. And so we're kind of navigating that through this series, understanding those in a bit of a deeper way. Then last week we talked about patterns of blessing in your life. And I really felt um, that the Lord was speaking, speaking to me, and I got many of you that had shared that the Lord had been stirring in your hearts in different areas and taking some steps to develop healthy patterns that align with God's word that can really lead to great blessing. Um, I wanted to give you, before we get into God's word today, I wanted to give you some uh, resources that have been really helping me through this series. And I'm going to talk to you about three books in just a moment. So if you have the bulletin or you have some notes or you have your phone, just take them out at this time. I want you to take some notes and write these down. Um, there are three books that I want to talk to you about this morning. The first one is from someone who is an awesome author and pastor of a great church in the D.C. area. His name is Pastor Mark Batterson, and I've shared some of his books. You may have read some of them before. In fact, some of our small groups are currently going through Whisper, which is one of his previous books about hearing the voice of God. But this new book he just released a few weeks ago is called Double Blessing. And uh, it's a powerful read. I'm really enjoying it. The Lord's really um, ministering to my heart going through it. And uh, I pray it would be a blessing to you as well. So check out um, Double Blessing by Pastor Mark Batterson. You can look that up. 
Um, the other two books are by one author. His name is Pastor Robert Morris. He pastors Gateway Church down in South Lake, right outside of Dallas. They have uh, campuses all over the uh, Dallas Metroplex area. It's a very large church. I think there are over 30,000 people a week call uh, Gateway Church home. Pastor Robert's an anointed teacher, preacher, gifted communicator of God's word. But this idea of the blessed life is kind of his life message. And so he wrote two books. The first one is The Blessed Life. So you can find it uh, online. You can find that resource. The second one he just came out with, another book, is called Beyond Blessed. And that one really touches a lot more deeply into this idea of stewardship, which was one of the key things we talked about in our first message. So check out those resources. My prayer is this, that after we end this series next week, this won't be the end of it for you. That as God is speaking to you, you'll take continual steps to grow in your relationship with God in this area in particular. Sound good, church? I know I gave you a lot. Are you still with me? Are we ready to get into God's word this morning? All right, take that piece of paper that you have, whatever you're taking notes on, whatever you wrote that down with, and I'm going to ask you to do something for me here, okay? I want you to write down four words. Just write down four words somewhere on that piece of paper. Are you ready for them? Family. Friends. If you don't know how to spell these words, just look at your neighbor. They'll, you could cheat off them if you'd like. God, work. What I'm giving you are four areas. There are four relationships you have in your life. They're not the only four relationships, but they're four relationships. You have your relationship with your family. You have your relationship with friends. You have your relationship with God. You have your relationship with your work, your employment, uh, what you do. Okay, we got it? You all have them? Now here's what I want you to do. Of those four relationships, what's the most important relationship in your life? What's the number one relationship? Write it down. Don't, don't, don't cheat. Come on, don't give it away. Figure out what's number one and write it there. Mark what's number one in your life. Now I want you to write what number two is. Number three. And then you got it, number four. Okay? Here's what I'll tell you that God's word teaches us. That the number one relationship in your life is your relationship with God. That's number one. Here's what I found, though. Because what we've just done is we've done a priority order of your life, of the relationships in your life. And we say, what's, what's number one? Many of you, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, because some of you may have put something different. I've sat in offices with people that love the Lord, that have been coming to church for a while, but when I asked them to go through that list, they put, they put other things higher than you would imagine. And I think than they would even imagine as they go through this. And what I found is that at the core of so many of the issues that come into our lives, they're not necessarily people issues. They're not necessarily the issues that you think they are. They're really priority issues. That when this priority order gets flipped, when it gets out of, when it gets out of whack, that it has devastating uh, consequences in our lives. So for me, number one is my relationship with God. The next most important relationship is one I have with my family, then my friends and my work. You with me? You understand what I'm talking about? We're going to hone in on that relationship with God. Here's, here's what we're going to talk about today. It's a principle, and this really came a lot from uh, looking in God's Word, but also really been blessed by the teaching of Pastor Robert Morris on this subject. It's called the principle of first, and we're going to talk about it this morning. But here is the principle. Here's the big idea that we're going to continue to repeat today over and over and over again. When God is first... Everything else will come into order. 
Listen to me. Let's say it together. When God is first, everything else will come into order. When God has that first place in our lives, Jesus, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these other things will be added. We spend so much of our time, so much of our energy chasing after those other things, sometimes even prioritizing them above God. We wouldn't say we're doing it, but our actions are speaking louder than our, just our words, right? The way we're living. And so we want to get this in the right order. So the idea is how to live out this idea of the principle of first. So we have a priority order. If we say God is the priority of my life, it's the most important relationship of my life. I want to tell you this, that just because we say it and just because you wrote it on the back of a bulletin does not mean it's a reality in your life. Just because you say it and just because we come to church doesn't mean it's really lined up with the way that we're living our lives. Because I want you to know that your priorities are under attack and there is one enemy to the priorities of your life that will get in the way, that will cause them to move like nothing else. And that word, that enemy is pressure. Pressure. Say it with me. Pressure. Pressure is an incredible thing because there can be a pressure in your life that when given into, causes you to prioritize things differently than you really want to. And they can cause you to lean in and focus in areas that maybe you don't want to focus on. Pressure can cause you to make decisions that are out of line with your real priorities. And that pressure can be something debilitating inside of your life. So last week we talked about um, this at the beginning of the message. I gave you a statement to fill in the blank on that I don't have enough blank, whatever that is you filled in there. The number two biggest answers to that question when people are polled are I don't have enough time and I don't have enough money. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? I don't have enough of one of those. So those, and guess what? When you think about the pressure points in your life, oftentimes it's around money and it's around time. Do I have enough money to deal with what's needing to be dealt with, to pay the bills, to plan for the future, whatever it is? Do I have enough time to spend it in the areas that are really most necessary and valuable and fulfilling in my life? Those are the two areas. And what, what can happen is we can say things like, yes, my family is vitally important. They're the second most important relationship in my life. But the pressure in my life is causing me to prioritize something lower than my family over my family. Someone know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anyone this morning? Yes, my relationship with God is the most important one, but there's a pressure in my life that's causing me to actually prioritize other things over that relationship with God. So we're going to talk about today, how do I apply the principle of first to my life and live in such a way that if God's first, then, then there is a tangible reality in my life that shows that and reflects it. I don't want my words to be out of line with the way that I'm living my life. I don't want there to be an incongruency there. Are you with me, church? And so that's the goal of what we're going to dive into today is how to apply this idea of, of the principle of first and making our relationship with God, the most important relationship in our lives, and how that really is meant to play out in the day-to-day -day and in the way we live our lives. Just a word on pressure. If you have pressure, the greatest way to alleviate pressure is with a plan. The principle of planning, the patterns of planning, what I talked about last week, that we need to develop patterns. If you're dealing with something, you say, man, I got an issue. Because you want to know what the biggest pressure point in finances is? Debt. It's like a swear word, right? Debt. Anyone know what I'm talking about? What debt can do, the pressure, it can apply to relationships, family. Um, the Bible literally says the borrower is slave to the lender. That debt can create such a pressure point for so many. It's an overextension. And so when living in that place, that debt 
uh, you know, produces such a pain point, a pressure point in our lives that that can get in the way of some of our priorities if we allow it to. So the best thing you can do to alleviate pressure is to develop a plan. And so you, you, you pray, you ask God, you search his word, you find resources like we shared with you last week, especially with around finances, but the same with your time, the same with whatever it is in your life. And if it's not taking the right priority because there's some pressure pushing you away from it, then what is the plan to address that? And the Lord will help you with that, and we'll help you with that in any way that we can. That's what we're talking about um, today because we want first things to be first. We want our relationship with God to be the first and greatest relationship in our lives. So when we look at how to apply the principle of first, I want us to go to God's word. Look with me in Exodus chapter 13. We're going to take a look at a passage of scripture you may have never looked at in this light before, but I believe it begins to show out this principle. The idea that God is first is not a foreign concept. It's not a New Testament principle, an Old Testament principle. It is the principle of the word of God, that he is first, he is preeminent, he is before all, before everything we've seen existed, God existed. He's first. But it's meant to be the reality of the lives of those who follow him, those who believe in that we acknowledge him as first in our lives. And so God set in motion different practices, different things in the lives of people that were connected to worship, that were connected to their relationship with him, that ultimately they were tangible demonstrations of God being first. And we're going to explore one of them today. And it, it hits a lot closer to home for believers in Christ than you would imagine. Let's look in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Here's what the Lord says. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 2, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Verse 3 says, I'm sorry, not verse 3. As we, uh, The Lord says that now as we go down to verse 11. I want you to jump there with me. Down to verse 11, if you have your Bible open. It says this, After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised... On oath to you and your ancestors. Verse 12, he starts to give instruction again. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. He makes it really, really clear to them. Verse 13. Then he says something kind of obscure here that we need to look at for a few moments. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. If you do not redeem it, then break its neck. It has to die. You lose it. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So here's what the Lord is saying. Every firstborn lamb, every firstborn animal that comes up there belongs to me. In fact, every firstborn that you have is meant to be given to the Lord. In that time, and in Jewish law, there was something called a clean animal, and that was like a lamb, and so a lamb epitomizes that idea of a clean animal. Then there was what's seen as an unclean animal. And you would see pigs and certain kinds of animals were the epitome of that. But donkeys were kind of like the poster child of an unclean animal. So what he says is if you receive a firstborn and it is a donkey, it's unclean. So for you to have it, what you have to do is you have to redeem it. See that word redeem? It sounds familiar, huh? Redeem it with a lamb. This is the principle behind it. The Lord says everything is first is mine. If, if you have a, a, an unclean, it must be redeemed with a clean. When you and I were born... Were we born spiritually, clean or unclean? Unclean, sin. We are born into this world, born into sin. We are born with something called a sin nature, propensity to sin, to do wrong. Some of you are like, no, nah, you know, my spouse is perfect. Okay, you guys could talk about that later. Um, 
But that's the reality. It's the spiritual reality. God's word makes it very, very clear that's what's going on. Jesus, when he was born, was he born clean or unclean? Clean. Perfect. Never sinned. Sinless through his entire life. Through his entire time here on earth, those 33 is sinless. What does the Bible say there in Exodus 13, verse 13? The clean must redeem the unclean through sacrifice. We see right here a picture of the gospel all the way back in the second book of the Bible. That we who are unclean need to be redeemed by Jesus, the Lamb of God, the unblemished one. The Bible calls him the firstborn of all creation. That this is a picture of it. You see it right there. It's powerful. It's amazing. But it all is within the context of this idea of putting God first in your life. The principle of first. The Lord says, what's first belongs to me. This principle extends further as there were farmers and as there were people that took care of the fields. The Lord brought them into a land out of slavery. gave them ability to have crops and to have fields. And the Lord said, listen, there's, there's something called first fruits. The first that comes up from your land. Bring it into the Lord. Bring it before him. And the Lord's going to honor that. Look, it says in Proverbs, um, in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So the Lord says this, not just the firstborn, but the first fruits of everything you have. Bring them before the Lord. Bring them into the Lord's presence. Bring them in worship and in obedience to the Lord, and the Lord will take care of you. You know, this is the principle of giving. It's the principle of giving first. It's a principle of tithing, of putting God first. And we see this principle goes all the way back much deeper than just the law and what God gave to Moses, but it goes all the way back to the first family to ever live, Adam and Eve, and then we learn this story of Cain and Abel all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. And I want you just to understand this principle of first being worked out in our lives. God doesn't just want to be a part of your life. He is first in our lives. He's first. And you know what's even more powerful than that? Is that even if you're not making God first in your life, he's still first. We don't get to reorient his place in the universe based on our opinions. His word declares he's first. And the choice is whether we'll make him first in our lives. But in Genesis 4, starting in verse 3, here's what it says. In the course of time, Cain brought some of his fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. So pay attention to a few phrases here. In the course of time. In some versions it says in the process of time. At some point in time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, and he brought it before the Lord. So at some point in time, he realized, you know what, I should bring some of this to the Lord. And he kind of got it, brought it, and gave it to the Lord. But there's a distinction in the next verse about what happened with his brother. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering. In verse 5, it says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry, and his face was downcast. So we see this idea. There's two brothers. They both bring an offering before the Lord. One is accepted and one isn't. And early on, as I was just becoming a follower of Christ and reading God's word, I come across that, and I'm thinking, why would God accept one and not the other? And then knowing my own taste, I'm like, I know exactly why God would not accept that. God is not interested in salad bars. He wants the good meat. The, he wants the, the barbecue. He wants the rhodesio. Come on, somebody. That's what the Lord is interested in. 
and I just could get it. I was like, my own taste attests to the goodness of God. I don't want that. I want this. Um, but it goes deeper than that. Do you want to know what it really is about? I see the word first in one of those statements, and I see, and I don't see it in the other. And I really believe we're talking about a different story if it says, Cain came with the first fruits. As, as soon as it started to bear fruit and he saw it, he gathered the first fruits and brought them into the presence of the Lord as an offering. And then as, as Abel saw the, the firstborn among, he took it and he brought it for the Lord. I feel there's a Lord that is pleased in both those because God's word teaches it. Clearly, he's looking for first fruits. He's interested in that because it speaks to the heart. One was putting God first. And one wasn't. Are you with me still? And so this is what's going on. This is the reality. Now, something happened in th this past, uh, this past kind of yesterday, really, over the weekend. Um, last night, I get home. Um, it's, it's a bit late, and we're getting ready to put our kids to bed, and it's already a little bit past bedtime. And God bless Josiah, three and a half years old now, has new routines that he keeps trying to add to the bedtime routine. And one of them is after everything's all done, and he's already, and he's laying in bed, he gets hungry and wants a little snack before he goes to bed. Come on, testify, right? And so he comes down, it's applesauce or something, and, and so he said, I want crackers. I want some red crackers from the red box. I said, okay, Ritz crackers. Anyone know Ritz crackers? So I pulled the sleeve out. I said, Jojo, you can have two Ritz crackers tonight. He said, okay, two crackers. So I start pulling them out, and I notice one of them, it, like it's all cracked, and the, the brim of it is like broken. And I grab the other one, I hand it to him, and I watch him, and he picks it up. What is this? And I said, I'm sorry, Jojo. I pulled on the knife. Said, you can have three now. You can have me. He said, I don't want this one. You can have it, Daddy. It's like, okay, thank you. And so I threw it away or whatever. Then I thought back earlier than that. We, were at the, we went to the Crayola factory. Anyone ever been to the Crayola factory out in Easton? We went there yesterday in the afternoon. And as we were sitting there in the, in the cafeteria, Lily is eating some Cheetos. And she says, Daddy, do you want a Cheeto? And I was like, sure, honey. I'll have a Cheeto. And the whole time as she's eating... She's been eating them, but she's holding this one Cheeto. It's like the biggest Cheeto I've ever seen in my life. She's holding it in her hand like as if she's like eating, but like she's saving this one. And she looks at both of them, and she's like, you can have this one, Daddy. And he gives me the, that whatever one she was holding, and I ate it. We didn't make a big deal, but something hit my heart differently. Now when I look at my two children and how they responded to me yesterday, <laughs> I, I have a new revelation of, of, of Genesis chapter 4 that I'm like, I get it. I get it. Do you know what the Lord actually deals with the, the Israelites about when he talks about the firstborn's mind? Because what he said you're doing, you're bringing some of them that are born and they're broken and they have disease, and you're bringing those and you're sacrificing those to me. You think that that's the offering that I'm pleased with. And I was so convicted because I said, Lord, how many times have I I've watched Jojo just holding this thing up to me, and I always, I always see myself in him, and I always see how I'm working with God when he does these things. And I'm like, Lord, how many times have I come to you with something and basically have like kind of said, you can have the leftover, God. You can have this. And I want my heart to be different than that. Here's the question, though. Did I love either of my children differently because of that? No, I didn't. But Lily blessed my heart with what had happened there. And it's a, it's a powerful reminder in my life that, Lord, I want there to be tangible demonstrations continually in my life that I'm showing the value, showing that you're first in my life. Does that make sense? If not, it can just be lip service if we're missing it. So when God is first, everything else will come into order. God promises that over and over and over again. So this is a principle that's so vitally important. And again, a part of this is this principle of tithing that God teaches. A tithe means a tenth. 
And so when you take the principle of first and then you look at tithing, I'm starting to, I become convicted. It was like a revelation and, and quite honestly, I'm so thankful because it's been through some of the ministry that Pastor Robert has shared that, that I really saw this as a revelation, this principle of first and how does it touch my giving? How does it touch the way I spend my time? What does it look like if at the beginning of my day I say, Lord, what's the most valuable part of my day? I want you to have that part of my day. I want that part to be for me and you. I want that to be a part where I worship you or where I spend time with you. And then of my, of my increase of, Lord, whatever you bring into my life, that, Lord, I'm learning what it means to put you first. And so I'm, I'm really applying this principle in the area of giving in the same way that we would see it throughout Scripture, that, Lord, before I know what the rest of the story looks like. You know why firstborn and firstfruits was so powerful? Because it requires faith to give the first. In that day and age, they would give the firstborn without any promise that there are any more along the way. They didn't wait until they had ten and then give the first one. They gave it first. And then what if there was disease? What if there was pestilence? What if something happened? They trusted God. We're trusting the Lord. The Lord says, first is mine, and I take care of the rest. The first fruits, we give the first. What if frost comes? What if pestilence comes? And I don't have any crops to stay my family. We trust God. It requires faith to give the first. And so it requires a step of faith in my family, in my life. Say, Lord, when it comes to my giving, when it comes to my finances, I want the first portion that is given out whenever I receive, Lord, to be to you. Some of us are like, okay, hold on. You want to know, know what my old first was before I kind of realized this? First was to the mortgage company. Is anyone with me? Can I be honest with you? First, because the pressure, right? But Lord, I trust you first. And I believe that as I put you first, you order everything. Can I tell you he's done it? Can I tell you I've, can anyone else here attest to the fact that God has honored this word in your life? That as you put him first, I'm saying, Lord, tangibly, I want your first, your first. And so you see that. So this principle, I want to play it out for you. And I want you to kind of grasp it with me. So I need like a, a, a youth. Are there any youth in the, in the house right now? Any youth? Uh, all right, come on, Aaron. You come on up here. He's not a plant. He has no idea what I'm about to do. How was the retreat, Aaron? Was it awesome? Awesome. So Aaron, yeah, come on, let's give it up for Aaron. All right, Aaron, so we have a lot of leaves in my yard at home, and so I, we hire you to come, and you're going to take care of the leaves at my house, and you're going to do some cleanup work in my yard. So we agree, you finish the work, and I'm really thankful, and I'm paying you $10 for that. So put out your hand. And so we had agreed to that, and so now I'll give you $10. So let's count it with me. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, 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 it's falling. We got raining money here. Um, nine, ten. Here you are. Ten dollars. Got it? Okay. So we, if we understand this idea of the tithe, that means it's a tenth. So what is, what is the tithe of that, Aaron? One dollar. You don't give it to me. Um, you got that. So, so that's it. But if we're applying the principle of first, saying it's first, which dollar bill is the tithe? Which one? The first one I gave him? Okay. Well, what if I just kind of gave it to him in a stack? Here's how I think we apply it. It's the first one to leave Aaron's hand. You with me? I don't, I don't get a stack. Whenever I get direct deposit, I have no way to go, get in there, find the earliest dollar bill that hits. I need that one. It's the first, I need the firstborn of the flock right now. First one to leave my hand. That's the way, that's the way we apply it. You get to keep all ten, okay? Um, 
No, no, no. <laughs> Give it to the Lord, man. Pull out an offering envelope, bro. Um, do we see it, church? Do we understand it? And whenever that is passed down generation to generation, something powerful happens. This, this principle of tithing, but this principle of saying, God, you're first. When God is first, what happens? Everything else comes into order in our lives. You know, as we look at it as a church, as, we, as we've seen it in our, own, in our own church, I've talked to you that I've really seen a picture of Evangel Church in those three pillars of blessing. I've seen that God has blessed this church. Long before I got here, long before I was on staff, but I believe it's because those three, those three pillars have been, have been at work, that there has been obedience in the face of adversity. There's been a priority on God and on the things that the Lord would want and on, on ensuring that. There's been good stewardship in this house. There, there, there has been a, a desire to just be very good stewards of what God's entrusted to us, and there has been radical generosity in this house, that this church has, is given and given and given and, and continues to stand in front of you and say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Literally, we can't outgive God. We give, and then God pours back in, and then we just try to give again, and, and it is this amazing process of transformation that is blessing. So we see it. Right now, for the last 10 years, when you look over our giving as a church, 20%, we've averaged 20% of everything that's come in has gone out of the house, outside to missions, into sowing into our community. It's like a double tithe of everything God's poured, and then we've tried to go above and beyond that. In fact, uh, almost six years ago, over the years, God has always poured back. I'm telling you, the, the leaders, the deacons, people that have seen the finances have seen it over and over and over again, that as we give, God just pours back in. And so we had had money that had accrued in, in savings. And we were getting ready to either purchase land and some other things and praying about it. But about five years ago, I stood in front of our members and we talked. And we had a, a great conversation to say, we feel God is calling us to do more with this. That we can't just hold on to it. we got to be good stewards of it. And we got to really ask the Lord how we're meant to steward these resources in this season. And so we developed something called the Kingdom Stewardship Plan. And in that, we had uh, created a plan that would ultimately cause us as a church to be able to sow into ministry above and beyond anything that would ever come into the house, that we would just go above and beyond in generosity. There were three particular areas that we had targeted. One was in missions, that above everything that was given in missions in a given year, over a five-year period, that we would give away $1.25 million above and beyond, sowing into communities and into village transformation projects. Because of that generosity, church, we now have villages being transformed in Uganda and in Guatemala, people with clean water, a medical clinic, a school, a church. Uh, people, countless people giving their hearts to Christ. And over the last five years, 1.25 million above and beyond everything else. And over the last few years, we've averaged a million dollars a year almost going out to missions, going to the ends of the earth to meet these kinds of needs and across the street. Um, also, we've partnered with churches being planted. Part of those funds that we were going to give out was going to go to help churches get started here and around the world. And so because of that, there is a church that we help to fund and provide resources for in Sarasota, Florida, um, Hope City Church. And God is working in their midst. They're averaging over 300 people a week, over 150 kids that are there. They're being transformed. Lives are being changed. Churches, because of that generosity, sowing into the kingdom. And even here in our building, the sanctuary you're sitting in today was fully funded through those resources. You didn't hear us get up and get asked for an offering or anything like that. God had been a blessing and we're trying to be a good steward, updating facilities, things like that. And as we move forward, I believe God wants to do more. Say more with me. He wants to do more as we're being good stewards and as we're being generous. Pastor Rick, if you come forward at this time.
you know, I really feel as I was thinking about that, that this verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, as God's people were just overwhelmed. And, and, and it says this, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you, Lord, only what has come from your hand. I feel that's the testimony of this house. But my prayer is that it will be the testimony of every house represented here. That we could truly say, Lord, we've been obedient. Lord, we've been good stewards. Lord, we've been generous. And Lord, we stand today and we're able to do what we do because you've given us everything that we have. Because we're putting you first in everything. Now let's go back to Exodus chapter 13. And here's what he says. The Lord says, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? You say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I want you to really apply this right now and think about what was happening. That there would be a time that if someone was obeying this principle of first, and every, every firstborn is being given to the Lord of a lamb, and then every donkey is being redeemed with a lamb, there's a lot, there's a lot of life being lost. There's a lot of animals that aren't there anymore. And that as a son is growing up and as he's being mentored in the family business, and he is starting to look at the, the records, that at some point as his father's getting old and he's now taking over, hey, Dad, can we, can we, have, a, can we have a talk for a moment? Yeah, I've been, uh, look, I'm not sure if you're fully aware of what's going on here. But um, it seems like every time we have a firstborn lamb, you, you, uh, you kill it. And then every time a donkey is a firstborn, you kind of, do the same thing, and Dad, it's, it's really adding up. I mean, just in the last year alone, it's like hundreds. I mean, Dad, like, what's going on here? Can you imagine the Father saying, this is what the Lord's saying to do. Son, I want you to know something about your dad, about our family. We weren't always in this herding business. In fact, there was a time that we didn't have any animals. We didn't even own any land. We were slaves in Egypt. But God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he set us free. And he gave us this land. He gave us everything we have, son, and so I gladly give to him. Pastor Robert Morris was talking about this verse. And he said one time he walked into, he remembered it vividly. His son was young, and he was there in his office. And he was writing out his tithe check, and he was writing out the bills. And his son walked in and caught a glimpse of what was written on that check. And he said, Dad, why do you give so much money to church? I don't understand it. And he said, God reminded him of this verse. And he pulled his son aside and said, your daddy wasn't always a pastor. He wasn't always even a believer in Jesus. There was a time that I was in slavery to sin, son. But God, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, set me free. Now it's my joy to do this. As I heard that, I said, I want that to be the testimony of my life. I want that to be what my children see and catch and understand. Amen? That in everything, as they grow up, they see tangible demonstrations that God is first in our life. Not because we just come here to church, but because we privately, in every way we can, we've prioritized the Lord in our time, in our treasure, and in everything, we just reflect that He is first. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. I want you to know that when God is first, everything else will come into order. But I, I want you to know today, God won't be first 
if you write a certain kind of check or if you start showing up to church in a certain way, the, the first step to making God first in your life is turning your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Asking him to forgive you of your sins, to give you a brand new life. Jesus came. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He rose from the dead three days later. Why? To redeem your life. Our life was dirty because of sin. It was broken. It was, it, it, it was hopeless. We could never get out of it. We were in bondage. We were enslaved to sin, the Bible says. But God, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and the power of the name above every name, Jesus, he died and he rose again to set our lives free. And today we're free because of Jesus. And today, if you don't yet know that freedom, today can be the day that your whole life changes. You don't have to become a perfect person to turn to Jesus. What you need to do is you need to acknowledge your need for him, your brokenness. You're never going to clean it up on your own. And you need to call upon his name. He's paid the price, but today you must acknowledge that and invite him to come to forgive you of your sins. Call upon his name. Confess your sins to him. Turn from them. The Bible says he's faithful to forgive you of all your sins and commit your life to follow him. So today, I don't know your story. I don't know what keeps you up at night. But today, if you don't have that peace, that confidence that you have a relationship with the Lord, that you've ever called upon the name of Jesus in this way, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me in just a moment. And today can be the first day of the rest of your life. Freedom, forgiveness, transformation, putting him first. Pray with me. And anyone that would like to, you could pray this prayer. Repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. Today, I put my faith in you. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. And today, I commit to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your freedom. Today, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, I would just love to know. Could you just slip up your hand right now? If you said that prayer and you said, Pastor, today was the day I got right with the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church family. Would you celebrate with those that said that prayer today? Well, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'm going to say a, a final prayer over you as we apply this word to our hearts and lives. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Here's what I'll encourage you with as a next step as you're getting ready to go. You need to, to determine in your life, you've taken some notes today, how am I tangibly making God first in my life? In those two areas we really touched on today, in my resources, in my finances, in my, in my time. Develop a plan, schedule it, put it on your calendar to spend time alone with God daily. Continue to attend church, find a life-giving church, be a part of it. And then get involved in serving in some way. Get involved in serving God and His purposes. In your finances, develop a pattern of giving, putting Him first. Let that be the first thing you do. Become obedient and, and give in the tithe. And then be willing as the Lord opens your heart to give above and beyond that generously whatever the Lord puts in front of you. Let me pray for you now, and then you're free to go. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've spoken to us today. Lord, we ask your word to continue to transform our hearts, Lord God. Would you make us obedient, Lord God? Would you cause us, Lord God, to put you first in every way, Lord God? And would you cause us to walk in a way that can experience your blessing in every part of our lives? Lord, we give this to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Praise God, you're good to go today, church. Thank you so much for being here. If you need prayer, please come forward for anything. If you accepted the Lord, come forward. We want to pray with you. And uh, if not, we'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday morning.